what is working and why? How do we know what creative is working? How do we know what creative is not working? There's so much data to process, so much reports to create that teams were having a really big challenge around just figuring out what's working. Creative strategist role. And this is a person who isn't necessarily a designer, is not necessarily a person who's like shooting content, but this is the person who's thinking about the why behind the creative strategy. Instead of brainstorming and people just sitting around in a room and being like, what should the theme be or what should the angle be? There's no reason to guess. You just go to your reviews and you see what the customers are saying, or you go to the past ads that you've run and the comments that people may have left on their ads. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the creative development process when it comes to performance marketing, media buying, particularly Facebook advertising. It's a great episode you don't want to miss, so do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or fourfold. That's when you start to unlock channels in a way that they were meant to be used. And- Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and, and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear firsthand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hey everybody, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. I'm your host, Kune Campbell, and this is the podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. We talk performance marketing, we talk about operating e-commerce businesses, and we talk about growth. That, that is the ethos of this show. And um, the hope is that um, every episode you listen to on this podcast, you develop a hypothesis that you could take in to your e-commerce team, to your e-commerce business, um, apply, test, and see what kind of results you get. Every week, we try and give you a new test, essentially. We cover, as I said, you know, performance. We, we cover marketing. We cover psychology. We, talk, we cover aspects of operating an e-commerce business, bringing e-commerce operators to really give you the step-by-step, not necessarily the step-by-step, but to give you their experience so you could you know, pick and choose what applies to your operations, to to your team, and just get going. Now, speaking of which, today, um, if like you're into like performance marketing, into social advertising, into Facebook advertising, you want to sort of listen to this episode because um, this chap who I brought in, his name is Riza Kajavi. 
Um, he's been on the podcast in the past. Um, just one episode. I remember when I was in Clavio BOS, um, we had a quick 15 minute chat. Um, he was talking about, um, his, his app shoelace and, um, what they're doing. They're still running that. And, um, what they've done now is they've segued into kind of like a, a workflow platform for performance marketing teams. Um, predominantly, you know, running, um, you know, Google just ads, you know, just ads that require creatives online. So rather than using like, you know, um, Basecamp, Monday, you know, Trello or what have you, um, the, or Sana, um, this is pretty much built for the e-commerce work for, for, for performance marketing workflow. And he talks about roles, um, in, in performance marketing, like, um, the role of a creative strategist, you know, media buyers, what a marketing leader should look like in terms of, you know, how the marketing leader really is the orchestrator of everything, who curates everything, who controls everything, um, the the role of content creators and, you know, um, interestingly, motion designer, you know, motion graphic designer who actually edits all of this. It, it was a, an in-depth conversation. So if you're looking to restructure your performance marketing team, you have to listen to this episode. If you are you know, working agency side and you're still figuring out how to you know, serve customers, what your, what your optimal customer setup should look like, you should listen to this episode. If you're um, actually trying to structure your agency, you, know, um, you should actually listen to this episode because he really gives a structure um, which has been borrowed from um, from orgs from like traditional marketing. So if you look at a traditional marketing campaign, um, they would always have their content strategist or creative strategist who's going to just think up the idea, you know, the direction of um, of what a campaign is going to look like. It might be a collection of people, but there's going to be a creative strategist, and and that's going to be different from who's going to shoot the video or who's going to edit the video. Um, they envision it, and he really talks about the importance of splitting roles, um, but at the same time aligning to a to 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 a goal, you know. So it, it was a it was a very interesting you know conversation. We talked a little bit about um, you know the impact of iOS um, in general. Um, some of his predictions of Q four. It was it was an all round good conversation. He's a clever guy. What can I say? Now for those of you who haven't you know already. Subscribe, subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe not just on the podcast. Go to two xecommerce.com. You will find where to put in your email address and subscribe to our newsletter. We have goodies in stock. We have events, post events beyond this podcast. We're running webinars. We run webinars. We run web events, and you know soon we'll be running some in person, you know, catch up. So just subscribe on two xecommerce.com. What else can I say? Enjoy this conversation I had with Riza. He is the CEO of Motion. That's the the name of his platform, Motion app, and um, previous founder of Shoelace. It's a brilliant episode. You just have to tune into. So enjoy this one. Cheers. The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklinen, Nun, and Choppies. 
build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com forward slash 2x. Hey, Risa, been a while. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. I think it was back in 2019. We, we met face to face back in Clavio BOS. Yeah, that was a long time ago when people were still getting together in person. <laughs> we're getting there slowly, but surely we will we'll, we'll get there eventually. We'll get there. I mean, it's, it's a pleasure having you on, on the podcast. And, and this is a full on, um, full, full, full one. I think that time we spoke about 15, 20 minutes and, um, you, you had a lot to say, um, you know, just around creatives at the time. And you still do have, you know, a lot to say about creatives. So, so what has transpired um, since, you know, 2019, basically throughout the pandemic, essentially on, on, on your side? Yeah. So about uh, a little over a year ago, I've been starting to work on a new product called Motion. And the way, the way that sort of began is that we, we've obviously been talking about creative and the importance of uh, storytelling in, in advertising years ago, we were talking about last time you and I spoke, we were talking about this idea of um, using, using advertising as a way to, as like a storytelling format, instead of just like plastering people with the same ads over and over again, how do we create a narrative? How do we create a story so that those experiences are a lot more engaging? And so the, the topic of creative has been on my mind when it comes to paid advertising for many years now. And one of the things that we started to realize as creative started to become more and more important, uh, and the reasons for that, many of your listeners will already know, but just to recap, as sort of the Facebook algorithm got more and more um, sophisticated with when it came to targeting, as the platforms became more and more crowded and more advertisers were kind of um, fighting for limited space in the news feeds and the attention of, uh, of consumers was being like fought over. As all of these things start to happen, creatives start to bubble up as one of the most important elements in paid advertising that many people know about. And so the question is like, what do you do about it? What, what happens now that creative is something that's so critical as part of the performance marketing strategy? What needs to happen? What, what, what changes in terms of the workflow? And so we started to talk to dozens and dozens of teams just to ask them, what are you doing right now? What's your biggest pain point when it comes to creative? And one of the things we learned pretty quickly was that the biggest, there was many, many challenges around creative the teams were, were having, but from pretty much every team that we spoke to creative was like a top three priority. And then there was a, a host of challenges that they were having. And the, the most central one was this challenge around what is working and why, how do we know what creative is working? How do we know what creative is not working? There's so much data to process, so much reports to create that teams were having a really big challenge around just figuring out what's working. And then also there was a lot of challenges around like taking those learnings, feeding them over to the creative team and having the creative team come up with new concepts that are based on learnings and not just based on like everyone's great idea. So how to create that iterative feedback loop so that we learn what's working in mm -hmm. On, on the kind of paid media side and take those learnings and incorporate them into, into the creative 
Um, and so those challenges were there. There's also challenges for a lot of people around, okay, I, I don't have a really great creative process yet. I don't know how to set up a good system to be even like producing creative in the first place. Where do I begin? Am I like hiring photographers? Do I need to like become a director? Do I work with influencers? So there's like a lot of challenges people are having to around how to create high quality performance creative on a budget that works is, is mm. a really big challenge for folks. And so anyway, I've been like just delving into this problem for quite a bit. We built a new product called Motion which helps teams around this and helps them figure out what's working, uh, which we can, which you can get into, but like, that's the, uh, that's what I've been focused on for the last little bit. Motion sounds interesting. I've, I've been on, on the website and, um, my, my takeaway from it from a top level standpoint is just more around refining the creative development process. And I, but I like a thesis in, in, in regards to just, you know, ensuring that there's this feedback loop and speed is very important um, in, in creative development. My question, just throwing this in, in, in the can really is, do you not get the data in, in Facebook ads manager? Why the need to, for a tool, for another sort of, you know, stack in you know in 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 your media buying you know tech stack there's so many other tools out there why why should we use a tool to 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 manage the creative development process yeah yeah it's a good question um one of the things that from your listeners there might be many who have like gone through this process where basically at the beginning of this problem you're like okay creative is really important i need to get my act together and i need to produce more creative so you're figuring out that problem once you get that problem solved and you start to scale that process and you have a lot of creative running, you might have an ad account with like a hundred or 150 pieces of creative running in it. And you get to that level. Many people arrive at a point where they're realizing that they're, when they're just looking at the Facebook ads manager platform and trying to figure out, wait, how do I compare images against videos against carousels? Or how do I know, for example, I might have the same ad that I've created but I'm running it in a, in a bunch of different audiences. I have my like lookalike audience and my uh, broad audience. And like, you might have the same piece of creative at a number of different places. You might want to aggregate that to see how it's doing uh, across the board. Or basically this, when, when it starts to become too much data to look at in Facebook, what we observed before we even started building motion is that a lot of the teams, when they got to that point, they were starting to export this data into spreadsheets to start to make sense of it, creating pivot tables, just trying to do analysis inside of a spreadsheet, which is a lot more dynamic than doing it in, inside ads manager because you want to like group things together and compare mm -hmm. them, etc. But obviously like when it comes to creative, spreadsheets are not the most intuitive environment where you want to be like analyzing creatives because creatives are visual. You want to see mm -hmm. them. And even if you do have a good time like and you love spreadsheets, and you might love spreadsheets because you're kind of a performance person, let's say on the team, that, that's usually the one who's doing this kind of analysis work. Then you need to communicate this information to somebody else, the creative team, the content creator, uh, the owner of the brand, your client, the marketing manager. It's not a solo game where you just kind of go in, learn these insights and you're off to the races. Now these insights need to be shared with somebody else, they need to be visual. And one of the things you'll, you'll commonly hear between this like dynamic between a performance marketing 
team and the creative team is that the creative team hates spreadsheets. It's like notorious for this. this the, the creative team does not want to look at tables. They don't want to look at data. They just want to look at insights that are a lot more visual and digestible so that they can take their takeaways and run with it. And so I would say somewhere along that journey, people will realize that either if the analysis becomes a little bit too complex to do and they need to go to a spreadsheet, or the analysis is actually not that complex, but what they want to do is very quickly share these insights with somebody else. So you might take a screenshot of your Facebook ads manager, and like somebody could sit there and sort of look at those, look at those numbers. But often you'll want to like create a slide deck that's a bit more visual. And so people find themselves just wanting to like share very basic insights. It's not, it's not like groundbreaking insights, but they just want to share that with somebody else. And it becomes pretty challenging to, to turn that into a visual way. So basically where motion comes in and why our, our users are really enjoying the tool is that it makes the analysis process like way faster than doing it in a spreadsheet. So the media buyers can save a lot of time getting to those insights. And then most importantly, when it comes time to share this information with other people, it makes it just a lot more visual and digestible so that other team members can um, learn those insights very, very quickly. So that's, that's sort of where it comes in. I get it. I get it. So, so really at the core is this workflow management um, for this specific role, this specific process, essentially in in in, in the in, in media buying, essentially that requires team members, mm-hmm. and and this is where my next question actually you know segues to. In twenty twenty one, with with iOS, not just with iOS, what, what does a team look? What should a a, a D two C, um, you know, media buying team? Look like um, from a best-in-class standpoint. You know, you you had you, you went through a, you worked with a a ton of brand um, at Shoelace. Same with Motion at the moment. So, so what should we have as a bare minimum? You know, what roles should be there, and um, how do they fit in in this workflow um, of creative development? Yeah, hundred percent. So we we've seen. Um We've seen a lot of this. Like I've probably spoken to over 250 performance teams and just like asking them this sort of question around like how do you how do you organize your team? Who is responsible for what? Who's doing what? And lots of teams are different in many different ways in terms of like how far along are they? Are they just starting out or are they like have are they venture funded? And like and so things can look very, very different from the actual like people on the ground. But the roles are very common. The, the the kind of pattern and theme that I've that I've noticed in terms of the roles are pretty common. And it might be that there's a single person who's doing like all four of these roles, right? So it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that in order to have a functioning team that you need the like four or five people that I'm going to mention. But these four or five roles seem to be critical in order to get the, the media buying operation like working well. Um, and so the two, the two main roles that I would think about is one is the media buyer and one is the creative strategist. So there, there was a time where, for example, like there, creative has always been important. You've always had teams that have taken it super seriously and have put in the effort. But for many years, Facebook advertising was sort of on easy mode 
where you can take like three or four pictures and kind of scale them in a way that, yeah. that, that would, that would make you very, very profitable. But yeah. as that, as that arbitrage opportunity kind of went away, the effort that everybody needs to do in order to participate in this, in this arena is a lot more around like, okay, we got to get serious about creative. And so what does that mean? What does that look like? And that introduces the role of the creative strategist. Everybody sort of knew the media buyer, right? The person mm-hmm. sitting behind mm-hmm. Facebook ads manager, running tests, running the campaign. So that role is obviously still there. Um, but then there's this new role that's forming. And then when I say new, I just mean that like, it's a lot more common, more people need it. Whereas mm-hmm. back in the day, you were, you could sort of get away without it. And that role is the creative strategist role. And this is a person who isn't necessarily a designer. Is not necessarily a person who's like shooting content, mm-hmm. but this is the person who's thinking about the why behind the creative strategy. So mm-hmm. what kind of assets are we building? Why are we building those? What kinds of hooks are we going to use in this creative? What's resonating with our, with our users? How does this fit into like our unique selling proposition? So like the, the, the person who's really thinking about building creative in a way that communicates the value propositions of the brand but is also thinking about it in a very performance oriented way. So it's not enough to like build a piece of creative that talks about the brand or talks about the brand story. All of those things need to be included in the creative, but it's also got to be very performance oriented, which means Mm -hmm. like the first three seconds really matter, making sure that the right hooks are in the piece of creative really matter. And so it's serious work for somebody to be owning this this, this, this like work. And I've seen a lot of times where you might have a really talented media buyer who's sort of also doing this. If you have somebody like that on your team, like hold on to them forever. Cause they're, they're like, they're really valuable. If you have somebody mm-hmm. who's on the media buying side and also kind of wearing a creative strategist hat, yeah. and that's incredible. So if you, if you're a media buyer and you want to reminds, develop reminds that. Me, reminds me of a web developer and web designer. So yeah, there you go. Role and you can hardly find <laughs> That's there yeah, you go. That's exactly who's brilliant at both. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so and so, um, so somebody's got to play the creative strategist role. Maybe it's the brand owner, maybe it's the media buyer, maybe it's a freelancer. But like, someone's got to do it. Uh, it. Could be done by the same person, but that's the sort of first pillar that I would say that someone's got to do this role. And uh, and then you have okay, how do how does the how do the pieces of creative actually then come to life? And then you have two two different components from there. One is the content creator, so you have to like shoot the videos, shoot the photos. You need to bring the assets to life. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of times teams are kind of staying away from really expensive, high cost studio production stuff, mm-hmm. and just working with influencers, content creators, stuff that's shot on a on an iPhone camera. It's like right. that stuff works. It's 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 uh, it's okay to start with that. But the, the creative strategist wouldn't just go and tell a bunch of influencers, hey, here's my product, make me a bunch of ads. The, con- the, the creative strategist would be scripting those and have yeah, to be very deliberate about, yeah, absolutely. you're a talented content creator and I want to work with you on this, yeah. but here are the things that I need yeah. in my ad. And we can talk right. about how does this right. person figure out what to include. Right. So works with the content creator, develops a lot of these assets, and then you got another side of this, which is like, okay, you have these assets. Now you need to turn them ready for ads, create them into different formats, adding some text overlay to them, potentially 
swapping in different, you know, parts of the video, adding like product shots, that sort of thing. And so for that, you need like a motion designer, a graphic designer, somebody who's, who's not necessarily shooting the assets, but but editing them behind the computer to make them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know exactly what you're you're talking (laughs) about. I've been through this process. Let's go back to as, as, any other roles before I ask a very specific question. So, so you, you talked about the creative, the, the media buyer, creative strategist, content creator, and this motion designer, graphic designer who's going to sort of stick all the assets together. Um, yeah. is, is there any other number five role essential in, in this workflow? Yeah. Yeah, well, you can think of like the, the, the person in charge of all of this, right? That could be the brand owner. It could be the head of marketing. There, mm-hmm. there, there usually is somebody who's not a media buyer, not a content creator, not a creative strategist, mm-hmm. not any of these things, but just sort of like the uh, what do you call that person in front of a um, in front of an orchestra, the conductor? I think the conductor, right? yes, yeah, the conductor, right? Just making sure that everything's like information is flowing from one team to another, and there's like mm-hmm. there's harmony around this operation. Mm-hmm. It usually does take a person to do that as well. But like I said, I've I've also seen like all of this done in a single person, like it's, mm-hmm. it's possible, but just kind of, even if you're a single person compartmentalizing these roles and realizing that these are the various different hats to wear Absolutely. can be very effective if you don't have the budget to yeah. hire each of these roles. Yeah. It just depends on the complexity of um, operations and, you know, how big, you know, the org is really to, to, to determine, you know, whether these would be individuals or, um, you know, some of these roles would be consolidated into, into one. Now, yeah. I think the the role that really stands out for me is the creative strategist, and um, it sort of circles into a um, into a point. I don't know whether you know David. I think his name is David Coyle. He's from Structured Social, mm-hmm. and he he did a presentation up in Commerce Excel, and he talked about the fact that brands um, are now um, rather than testing just assets, asset testing, um, you know, iterations, you know, real quickly, they're testing ad angles. So they're not just looking at, um, oh, um, let's try this ad with a green dress and, you know, just changing all that. They're looking at um, what is this ad saying? What's the message of this ad saying? And they're siloing it to landing pages. So there's congruence. And obviously that is also siloed with audience targets that, you know, those messages actually speak to. Now, with all of those moving paths, um, would you say the creative strategies, strategist has to, you know, sort of figure out what the, the landing page should look like um, in, it, you know, along with um, just the focus, the direction of, you know, what the creatives will look like? Because um, you know, there, there's one step, you know, attracting, you know, people eyeballs and and clicks through to your website, and there's another as to what happens when they get to 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 your website. What what, what would you have to say to that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's where what I've seen is like whoever is the person that's doing the edits, right? The person who might be creating edits to the video or the images to make them ad ready. That person, more often than not, is also helping with landing page edits too. To okay. very much your point, add that congruency between the content in in the actual ads and and the landing page. And so usually it's like the same kind of technical skill, more or less. So you you could have that person on the team helping out with with landing page work as well, or assets mm-hmm. that need to go to a landing page. 
but yes, it's definitely part of it to make sure that landing page is being kind of tested as well as, as the mm-hmm. creatives that are being sent. Mm-hmm. And so there is a lot of, there is a lot of responsibility that falls on the creative strategist, but mm-hmm. I talk about this role as if it, as if it exists on every single team and it doesn't like a lot of, a lot of teams don't necessarily have an individual person who's doing this, mm-hmm. but it's sort of like everyone maybe chips in together to, to fulfill this role. So, you know, the, the, the designer might pick up some of this work, the media buyer might do that. Mm-hmm. The head of marketing might, the ideal scenario is you, is, is you get big enough, you have like one dedicated person to do all of this. Cause as we can see, there's a, there's a lot of work to do there. But again, if you don't have such a person, no big deal, but just knowing that like, these are the sorts of things that, that need to happen. And, um, I liked what you said around the ad angles and just thinking about not just experimenting with random things like I'm going to make this green and I'm going to try a different color and really try to dig into, um, the angles and the themes for why they're testing different ads. Um, somebody, uh, who I really respect, Nick Sharma said something really interesting around this idea around how to come up with those hooks mm-hmm. or, or themes that are going to be really relevant to your audience. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was a really great idea. So I'll share it with your listeners. Mm-hmm. And basically his idea was instead of brainstorming and people just sitting around in a room and being like, what should the theme be or what should the angle be? There's no reason to guess. You just go to your reviews and you see what the customers are saying, mm-hmm. or you go to the past ads that you've run and the comments that people may have left on their ads. and people are talking about the things that really stand out for them. So it might be like Mm -hmm. this particular product, people really loved it because it helped them achieve X in their life. And everybody keeps Mm -hmm. saying that, but like, this is what I really loved about this. And so, okay, there's a, there's a hook brewing here. Maybe we can take this idea that people keep writing about that they loved such and such about our product. And let's turn that into an experiment for a theme that we want, that we want to try. And so Mm -hmm. using those kinds of, data points to to build these these themes i thought was a really great idea for yeah. low hanging fruits low hanging fruits right there low hanging fruit yeah. thank you for, for for that let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors the subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly 500 billion by 2025 As a fast-growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution, helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth of over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, subscriptions strengthen their brand relationships with your customers and make it easy for customers to make repeat purchases. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with a subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. That is rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. Do 
Did you know that loyal customers are nine times more likely to convert compared to a first-time shopper? That's why exceptional customer service is so important for your retention and growth. I recommend using Gorgeous, the leading help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce merchants. Gorgeous combines all your communication channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform. This saves your team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. It also integrates seamlessly with your existing tech stack so you can access customer information and even edit, return, refund, or create an order right from your help desk. To learn more, go to gorgeous.com. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S.com and mention 2X e-commerce podcast for two months free. That is gorgeous.com for two months free. Just mention 2X e-commerce. And, and I also see this content strategist role almost like a, a product, like a head of product, you know, um, because they, they, they need in-depth knowledge of you know, why, you know, you sell what you sell and um, an understanding of the customer, you know, why customers actually patronize your brand and they, they need to create those hooks, essentially, just going back to what you're saying to, to appeal to those hooks, uh, to, to, to those needs and whys and, you know, find iterations, further iterations um, on there. So that they, yeah, I think um, just that depth and depth knowledge of, of product would be, would be, you know, very, very critical. Okay. So in motion, um, would like a content strategist see, um, they have like a, a special login where, um, you know, they see what they see. They, they have their deliverables. Um, the media buyer has, you know, their deliverables. So do, do you have like special logins or separate logins for, these five roles you just highlighted. Yeah. So, so you, in motion, multiple people from the team can have their own login, jump into the app. And we do see like a bit of a different usage for the different roles. So there's usually one person who's going in, setting up the reports, building out the dashboards. And usually that person is the media buyer, the mm -hmm. one who has the most like intimate familiarity with the ad account knows how the naming conventions are, are done. And so that person might go in, create something like, I don't know, five to 15 reports to make up the kind of creative performance dashboard. Yeah. So that might be things like the best performing ads, the best performing video ads, image versus video versus carousel, uh, the best thumb stop ratios on, on, on certain videos or, comparing, for example, different angles and themes against each other. So we went with something that is like um, unboxing versus features focused versus, versus like product reviews. So a lot of these sort of dashboards will get set up at first um, so that then whether it's the creative strategist who's logging in on their own to consume this information or more often than not, because this team works really closely together, they usually have a, a meeting once a week or twice a week or once every two weeks where they're like reviewing these things together. So often motion will get pulled up in that meeting and then they'll go through it together to kind of look at the various reports in the dashboard and see how things are doing. Um, and then when there are new tests or new hypothesis running, there'll be a new report created and they'll go back. 
And so there's, there's this, um, initial process of somebody's creating the reports mm-hmm. and then there's a process of like other people are consuming these reports, mm-hmm. but then usually there's like this, there's like this teamwork of saying like, okay, what do we do now? Now that we've learned this information, we've learned that, for example, the first three seconds of this video has been outperforming every other video, but this other video has the highest conversion rate after they actually click through. Then there's a decision made of like, okay, let's take the first three seconds of this video that's really stopping the scroll and getting people to consume, and let's apply it to the video that we've been running that has the highest click-through rate so that we can send more people into the funnel of that particular video. And then a kind of um, action item or a set of action items are created as a result of having cons- had that meeting together or, uh, or that sort of uh, brainstorm. Mm-hmm. And then each person sort of goes off and does that. The creative strategist will bring that to life, send it to the media buyer. Media buyer will put it into the, into the, into the campaigns the following week. And then they'll look at that and be like, amazing. The video that was performing the best on the conversion rate has held up. The first three seconds are now as great as we thought. And so that experiment was a success. Everybody high fives and then kind of on to the next, onto the next thing. Um, because this team really does work closely together to, uh, to come up with these, yeah. with these ideas. Yeah. So that's the sort of thing we're seeing. Yeah. It, it takes teams to, to move mountains. So, um, yeah, <laughs> anything to consolidate the team, uh, for real, it's, it's just the, the way things work. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, um, I, I really want to, to get into like, teams and best practices so so you 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 you're privy to some best in class d2c brands um around i'm not going to mention names on this if you want to but um what does what what do they do differently you know um to to other brands um so with this collection you know whether they're they're individuals or the consolidated roles how do they outperform how do they Report data better. Um, um, what's it called? Um, read read the data better and take make better decisions. Um, what just makes just sets them apart from 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 the rest. Well, what does the one percent do, right? Yeah, well, one of the things that I've I've kind of always felt like has been a marker for for the for the one percent performance teams that are doing a really great job at this is what do the ad naming conventions look like? When you look inside the ad account, is it like clean, structured variables that when you read the ad names, you look like there's there's real structure here. There's like a discipline when it comes to how we name these things. Or does it say, for example, like ad one, ad two, ad two copy. And, you know, we all have like ad accounts that might look like that. And if they're small, that's okay. Like it's not a, it's not a huge deal if it's like, if we're only running a few variants and you can literally see everything in one glance, it's all good. But once you start to get to like 50 ads running, 60 ads running, 100 ads running, yeah. at that point and beyond, if you hop into the ad account, you don't see like really good naming convention there, then you know that like there's that is a really good place to start to improve because it. it everything kind of stems from there, right? If you don't have good naming conventions there, it's possible that you haven't 
landed on a set of hypotheses with your team around what are the different elements that are in this ad that we think are important, that you need to align on it first. Like you can shoot a piece of creative and you say, okay, what's unique about this? This might be a 15 second video and we're trying this particular angle on it. And we're showcasing this particular brought product that's a bestseller this month and features so-and-so influencer in, in, this, in this piece of creative. And we think that this is a good idea because X. And so like that yeah. is established. The naming convention uh, reflects that. And then usually when you, when you have this sort of setup, often then the teams are going and analyzing this data, which, which we can talk about. But that's a really good starting point that if, um, if you aspire to be like the top 1% teams, just having the discipline around clean naming convention is a is is a really good, good so, one so to start. You should read like a table of content in 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 a book, essentially structure. Okay, there should um, be structure. Okay, there's um, also one thing I'll mention as well quickly on the naming conventions that sometimes mm-hmm. because obviously the naming convention is limited, you can't write really long things there. I've mm-hmm. seen a really interesting approach by by different teams where they'll have like code names in there. So it mm. might be like LP1, LP2, LP3. Yeah. Yeah. And it says like landing page one, landing page, page one, two, landing page yeah. three. Yeah. And then you have a different glossary somewhere, like a sheet somewhere that says, this is how this translates. LP1 okay. means this, LP2 means that. Okay. And so okay. sometimes you'll you'll walk into an account and you'll see the naming conventions and everything's like a code, but it's clean. Absolutely. It's like, and you can't, you can't make sense of any of it upon first glance, but you could just tell that like there's, there's, there's a method here happening. And then usually there's like a glossary somewhere else that okay. decodes these, like these, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to get a bit finicky here and, and, and <laughs> ask, you, <laughs> ask you like, um, for an ad set name, sure. what, what are the components? What are the key pieces of information that, um, a media buying team should have in their, in their, in, 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 in their name? So that um, there's congruence, there, there's an understanding and harmony um, on there. Are you, are you referring to the ad set or on the ad itself? Um, ad, ad, so we'll start out with the ad set and then we'll move into sure. the ad. But for, for, for sure, in, sure, in sure. an ad set, because you know you, you have most of the targeting in, in the ad set level. Um, so so yep. what do you want to sort of amplify um, in in for, in the name of, of an ad set? Yeah. So ad set, usually, usually people do a decent job with the ad sets from what I've seen, because Mm -hmm. it's pretty simple. You kind of just reflect some of the choices you've made. So for example, is it, uh, what, what, is there a certain geography that we're targeting? You might, you might put it there. Is there, uh, is it CBO or ABO? And you might, you might put that there. Is it, for example, a lookalike audience, or is this like a broad targeting? And so you might put like targeting, budget bidding strategy geography if that's there um and usually like those are the those are the sorts of things so anywhere from like two to four or five variables within within the ad set sometimes people are putting whether the stage of funnel also like is it remarketing or prospecting although that typically Mm -hmm. i see that at the campaign level where people are putting that there but Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. it's at the ad set level too um so pretty straightforward um, pretty straightforward. And most people do, I'd say, uh, an eight out of 10 job naming their, naming their ad sets. Okay. So what about the ads? Um, what, what <laughs> yeah. <do> you- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where it gets interesting. So 
the, the, the easy first one is the ad format. So is it image? Is it video? Is it carousel? Um, that's a really good one. Um, and then another one is like, is, is there, what's, what's the theme here? Is this like a user generated content, like a UGC style video, or is it, or is it something else? Um, the angle, like we talked about is something that, that will go in there. Is there a special offer? Is it, for example, $10 off or free shipping? So kind of the, the, the offer that might be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can get very specific based on what, what the actual piece of creative is. So often like, is there a discount offer? Is it image versus video? Is there a particular angle or theme? Uh, those tend to be, those tend to be the most common. But then there are things that anything beyond those, like those basic ones, the, the only reason to include them is if you have a hypothesis around it, or if you think that there's, there's an element here, because people can also like overwhelm themselves by being like, you know, this has like a small shade of green in it. (laughs) So you can get very, you can very, get very overwhelmed. But if you ask yourself that, like, do I believe that this might be one of the main drivers of success? within this ad if yes it deserves to have a spot in in the ad name and so usually that exercise before naming the ad to like just look at it and be like what are the main what are the main elements here that if i had to like be a scientist and be like what you know what are the what are the elements that might move the needle here what do i think they might be and then that can vary like quite a bit from ad to ad from company to company based on the hypothesis that they, they might have, but those like first four or five could be, could be pretty common for everyone. Interesting. Interesting. Thanks. Thanks for shedding more light on that. I'll give you an example. Like there could be, um, you could be like a shoe, a shoe, a footwear company. Mm-hmm. And some of your, some of your assets might be just the product shot, just the shoe, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whereas some of them, you might have the shoe worn on a foot. Mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. in like in the real world so like pro- like product shot versus lifestyle yeah. it's another yeah. is another common one and and if you're a team that you have these different variations you very quickly say oh this is a product shot this is the one worn on the foot let's separate those to compare the ones mm-hmm. worn on the foot versus the ones that are just the product and that's like a high level enough thing that you can you can be pretty certain that you're not getting too micro with, with your testing, that it's like mm-hmm. nice and big as a, as a kind of difference between the different, different ads. Are you seeing any dynamic creative testing um, whereby um, you have like two different feeds in fashion that is uh, one feed is like very product studio, we, you know, focused, and then another feed is, and these are bottom of funnel um, and another feed is more lifestyle-y and then they're, they're just testing to, to see what will work side by side. Have you seen anything like that? Yeah. So in terms of the feed ads, uh, I've definitely seen that where people have like, you know, catalog that might be product focused and another catalog that might be lifestyle focused and they're, and they're, and they're testing that. Um, the, the amount of testing that I see with feed ads tend to be a little bit less. It's usually just like, cause the amount of effort it requires to go and update your entire catalog, for example, might be something that you do every once in a while. Although there are, there are some tools out there that I think will help you like add certain elements to your, to your catalog. And so if you're testing that, that might be something to, to kind of name and compare. But most of the testing that I see happens on the actual, like, 
a piece of video or a, a video yeah. or an image and they're duplicating yeah. that and they're testing it in different audiences and that sort of thing. Yeah, makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. So we can't talk about Facebook um, without talking about this iOS 14, as you refer, refer to it, turbulence, more or less. Um, and and it's turbulence is a positive um, term in the sense that um, we'll still, you know, hopefully get to our destination and uh, just just a bit of a shake and a wiggle. Um, what what are your general sort of um, thirty thousand foot thoughts on on what is happening um, from a data standpoint, just a data loss standpoint, and just yeah, um, what does media buying you know look like? Um, the consensus from I, I don't even want to talk about my my perspective, but yeah, I'll, I'll throw it to to you, Risa. Um, what, what do you think about iOS fourteen and, and this data loss? Yeah, it's 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 um it's a critical moment, no doubt. Like there there's a we're, we're living through uh, a very interesting moment in time where a major change is happening. I think people will look back to this moment. And be like, oh, and that's the time where everything changed when it came to digital advertising. And so it, at a, at a high level, it does feel that important to me. It does feel like we're probably not going back to the way things were. I, I, don't know, I don't know where things will end up, but it feels to me like we're not going back to that level of basically the, the idea of privacy-driven advertising seems to be a trend to expect. And so the idea that, you know, we'll, we'll sort it out and we'll go back to like the easy days of, of, of crazy micro targeting. I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if anybody knows, but it feels to me like the, the trend would suggest that we're exploring new territory somewhere that we've never really been before with regards to how the industry is going to change. And so it's, it's very, very hard to know what's going to happen. It feels like, again, from like a 30,000 foot standpoint, we're like innocent bystanders in a war between two titans, right? Like this is mm. this is beef between Apple and Facebook, or just like throwing punches, and and that's the goal. I don't I don't buy the idea of you know Apple trying to do this for the sake of privacy and that sort of thing. I just I don't buy that one bit. It's just like you know titans at war, and then everybody else like the ground is shaking beneath us. Like what's going to happen when 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 the dust settles? don't know like it's it's very hard to it's very hard to know but um one um good kind of prudent thing to do to do would be to not expect things to go back to the way they were so if, if they were if if you had a certain expectation of how digital marketing has been for the last three years four years i don't think we're going back there um we'll see we'll see things how things shake up but i think that's those are the things I'm, I'm pretty confident about with regards to like specifics. We can talk about what people are doing around like the loss mm -hmm. of signal and stuff like that. But most people are just, just working through it and trying to figure it out day by day. Cause so much is changing every day. Uh, I, I could, I could name a, a podcast, uh, <laughs> a podcast episode, privacy driven advertising. Um, that, that's, that's a, a great way to, to coin um, what's happening. But, but my thoughts are like um, you know, it's, it's not not every DTC brand um, had the boom, but majority had a boom last year in COVID, um, and it was unprecedented. You know, some quadrupled in in GMV, you know, others doubled, others tripled, 
and then um, this happened. It's almost like, um, you know, stop it, you're not going to have a free lunch. <laughs> um, but, but I have seen um, brands cut through all of this noise because they have always spoken directly to their customers on other channels and, you know, kind of used Facebook to, as a medium to sort of recapture just all of that, the, the people they're talking to recapture the audience they were talking to on other platforms such as YouTube and, and they're still, you know, making strides. Nothing has really changed in some of the brand, some of these brands. Well, I've seen some other brands essentially almost fold up, you know, um, as a result of just the escalating, um, you know, um, CPAs they're, 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 they're receiving. From your point of view, can creative sort of, or creative sort, um, sort of, mitigate this risk, this, not, not mitigate the risk, but just um, essentially um, stop this hemorrhage, you know, um, just cre do creatives have a, a, a role to play um, in, in terms of, um, you know, just getting more attention and, you know, just bitting the, the, the lack of, of, of data um, from, 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 from Facebook ads manager because um, a lot of us are fighting in the dark, essentially. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, like we've heard this a lot, right? Where a lot, a lot of people are kind of trying to point to what can be done in the aftermath of this. And creative comes up a lot as like, you know, creative is the answer, invest in creative and that's going to solve all the problems, et cetera. But I think the challenge is that it's it's deeper than that it's like obviously creative is important um but it's i think the lens with which people might be thinking about it is like creative would be the new hack like this is how you might hack the algorithm and i think that the biggest change that's happening is that like we need to cool it with the business of like hacking the algorithm like it's it that's the sort of thing that's changing and so it's more like the the role that creative plays is that it's sort of similar, like being out of shape, right? If you're, if you're out of shape and you're not forced to run necessarily, and then all of a sudden you need to run, hmm. it's like, Oh man, like my lungs, like <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know I was this out of shape. Like it just kind of catches you off guard because you hadn't had something to like shake you and force you to run. Let's say then when that happens, it's like, okay, what's going to help maybe learning how to breathe, better or like there's so many things that you then need to do if you're put into a situation where you were out of shape once and now you're forced to kind of uh, improve your endurance mm -hmm. and creative is an example of that maybe for a while you were able to get away with like really great performance without having a great operation without having great way to like build new creative test new creative that sort of thing and so to the extent that creative is important it's important to build the muscle of creative and be the kind of organization that like there's everybody's workload just went up a lot. Like we, we got used to being able to do things and, and sort of play on easy mode a little bit, especially with the, the, it's funny, right? Like right before we get into this, we go to a year of like crazy boom. So Facebook advertising was hard for, for the last couple of years. And then all of a sudden after COVID, it's like this, like, nice freebie boom for everybody uh, almost like as a as a as a going away present <laughs> everybody got like <laughs> one last year of like 
of, of a good time. And so it just like, to me, the, the, the answer is like looking at our businesses and being like, what are the things that we've been um, neglecting and not taking seriously that we now need to? So mm-hmm. like thinking about how do we, how do we um, build more relationships with our customers? How do we build our own audience? All, all of the sort of things that, that you will hear in the list of things that are important to do, all of those things, they're the, they're the right things to do, but they're not overnight things. They're not things that are going to, you solve them and then we'll go back to the way that things were. It's like, it's really hard. It's hard for everybody. And the only way to survive is to, is to, stop neglecting some of the things that we knew we know we've been neglecting for the last few years because it's been easier and there's no guarantee that that's going to solve it either it's not it's 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 kind of unfortunate it is a really kind of uh unfortunate situation but it's um it's better to acknowledge that quickly and then try our best to to like improve our fundamentals so that we can we can stand a chance but it's uh it's not easy i feel like a lot of a lot of small businesses are not going to be equipped to like adapt as fast and don't have the budgets to do so so it's like not uh not a good time for sure for a lot of people yeah yeah working capital um yeah working capital fund you know funding companies are, are having a field day right now <laughs> lots of performance marketing campaigns and um and then we we also have the the issue with shipping. Anyway, we, we can go on and on and on. I'm thoroughly enjoyed. I really, I thoroughly enjoy this conversation, Risa. Um, for, you know, people who want to find out more about motion, it's a motionapp.com. That's M-O-T-I-O-N app.com. It's a workflow platform for performance marketing teams. Where do you hang out most, um, Risa, on, on social media? How, how can um, listeners, you know, um, follow your, your fine work? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I go through sprints on Twitter. Sometimes I'm more active there. Sometimes I'm less and I'm like deep into work. But Twitter is usually where where I am. Uh, you can find me at Reza at Reza Kajabi on Twitter. And uh, you can send me an email as well, Reza at motionapp.com. Happy to, uh, happy to connect with anybody who's uh, interested in these in these ideas. Lovely to have you on. And um, yeah, thank you for coming on the 2X e-commerce podcast. Thanks, Kunle. It was a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.